Okay, praise the Lord. Excellent stuff. We're going to get our uh, Bibles out if we can. And I'm going to ask someone to come up. I'm just hoping that I left the scriptures in here that I was going to turn to today, and it looks like they're not there. So that's going to be awesome, but they are. Excellent. Okay, so today I'm going to talk about a particular topic, but before we do that, I thought, oh, why not bring it in with song? (laughs) (laughs) So that's what I'm going to do. So I'm going to get Al up, and we're going to do a song to start. And this other girl called Millie.
Praise the Lord. Excellent stuff. Okay. And the reason I wanted to put that song first is because there's a few lines, there's a couple of lines in that song um, which talk about this feeling of, do you remember what it was like to be without the Lord? Now, for some of us, that feeling's probably more real than others. Um, We heard Cam's testimony today, and I guess he was in a blessed household right from the word go. But there would have been a point in his life as it was in, in, in all of us who were brought up in a household of believers that there was a time where we recognized actually we are in this position where we don't have the same hope as our parents. We don't have the same hope as the other people that are in the fellowship um, and that we need it for ourselves. And And I guess I wanted to talk today about reconciliation and what God has actually done for us. That he's seen us when we thought all hope was gone. That he's seen us when we were at our worst. And he's made us now have the greatest life of all. And he saw those things in us. And he sent his son for us that he might reconcile us back to him. Now we know the the Bible story fairly well. And we know if we went right back to Genesis chapter 1 that God had a relationship with Adam. And he created him him a helpmate, his Eve, his his wife, and they chatted with God in the cool of the day, the Bible tells us. And he had a relationship with this couple. And then it soured. And they were banished from the garden and no one was ever to go back there. Flaming swords and the cherubims, they guard it. No one can get back in there. And um, since that time, God has been trying to find a way to get back to the cool of the day with Adam and Eve. And and I guess that's us. That's what he's desired. And as a result of the sin of, of one man, Adam, um, the world had a curse on it that we would feel hopeless, that we would feel alienated and distanced from the Creator. And the Lord went about looking and seeking for his own and this is a really it's a really strong concept that Jesus Christ came to bring and he he didn't I mean he talked about it but he demonstrated it and then when you go into the letters of the and we're going to look at some of this stuff today when you look at the letters of to the churches Paul writes about it all the time nearly at the start in the first two chapters of nearly every book he writes to the church he talks about reconciliation about reconciling Man back to God. He taught, it's a really heavy, um, heavily emphasized point. So um, let, let's start off with, um, let's go, oh, I'll get you to turn to Leviticus chapter 8. There's a, there's a few places we could, we could go to. Um, actually, before that, let's go to Genesis ch- chapter 45. Let's go there. We touched, we got the end of that story or the beginning of the end of that story yesterday um, in the talk that Todd gave. But a little bit here about Joseph here. And, and, and Joseph, as we know, is a type of Jesus Christ, that he was uh, forsaken by his own brethren for a greater purpose. And, um, yeah, there's, there's a couple of things here. We'll read this in verse 1 of 45. It says, Then Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him, and he cried, because every man to and, and caused every man to go out from me, 
and there stood no man with him, while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. Now, I, I, I've been tr- kind of trying to grapple with how you, how you explain this emotion. Um, and, and I guess in my own life, the only thing I can kind of uh, liken it to, as some of you know the story, is, is, is I've, I've got an elder half-brother. Um, he's about um, 12, 13 years older than me. Um, and we never knew about him. I, I never knew about him growing up. Um, my mum had, funny enough, my mum had been shipped off to Lower Hut um, at St. Ronan's Ave down there. There was a monastery down there where they took in unwed mothers and they f- had children and and then they were kind of taken away. And I, and uh, so it was funny, I didn't find out any of that until I actually moved here and my mum kind of opened up a little bit more about the story and, and, um, and she had... Uh, my brother at Lo- Lower Hutt Hospital back then, um, possibly in in, uh, in in Toad Hall, which for those who know is actually an old the old maternity or part of the old maternity ward of of Lower Hutt Hospital. So it's kind of a it's kind of a really weird synergy to that. Um, and when I was about thirteen, uh, my mum and dad sat us down, my brother and I, and my little sister was too young at that stage; she didn't really know what was going on. And and they said, "Oh, you've got a brother." And we were just like, what? And my mum said, oh, Sash, you're not the oldest. And I'm like, what do you mean I'm not the oldest? It was, it was a really weird time. And then not long after that, I just remember there being a real feeling in the household. Um, um, my older brother had, had made contact with my mum and he wanted to meet her. My mum had nursed him for 10 days um, and then she, he was taken from her and then she had not seen him since. And uh, I can remember vividly the first time he walked up our driveway and, and I saw him meet his mum, my, my mum. And uh, it was a fairly emotional time. And, and, and uh, yeah, it was, it, was, it was interesting to be involved in that. And to me, that's the only emotion and only thing that I can relate to in terms of what Joseph had here is years, decades went by where he was alienated from his family and his father thought he was dead. And um, he, he couldn't refrain himself to reveal himself to his brothers who were standing before him actually asking for his help. And they didn't know that. So this is a really powerful, powerful time. And um, we, I want you to bottle that because we're going to explore that again later on. But we'll finish this a little bit. In verse 2 it says, And he wept aloud, and the Egyptians in the house of Pharaoh heard. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph. Does my father yet live? And his brothers could not answer him, for they were troubled as at his presence. <laughs> and Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near to me, I pray you. And, I, and they came near. And he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. Now therefore be not grieved nor angry with yourself. That you sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life. So this is just this what culmination of this wonderful story and this wonderful theme of reconciliation. That God had prepared a way for him actually to look after this great nation. Those brothers didn't know that they were going on to to be um, uh, the fathers of of a great nation, and. And Joseph, uh, through the will of God, was going to preserve their lives and ultimately the nation of Israel. 
and uh, it's just this really powerful story of and the emotion that's around reconciliation um, and it's it's a continual theme it continues through if we go to Leviticus um, so this happened before the law that's basically why I wanted to turn there is it happened before the law was given to Moses and in Leviticus uh, chapter 8 and verse 15 there's this we're, go, we're not going to go through all of it because there's a whole ceremony here about um, the atonement sacrifice um, and the spilling of blood of animals and this is what was obviously as we know was going to represent Jesus Christ and what he was going to do for us in spilling his blood and just, just in verse 15, it says, um, they go through all this stuff, and you guys are familiar with the kind of format of Leviticus, and it says, And he slew it, and Moses took the blood, and he put it on the horns of the altar, round about with the finger, and purified the altar, and poured the blood at the bottom of the altar, and sanctified it to make re- reconciliation upon it. So it's this thought, the front and center thought around the atonement sacrifice is that God wanted to bring these two parties together together. Um, he wanted to bring mankind and himself back into this relationship where they'd been estranged. So, um, yeah, so we see this this in the law now represented. Um, in Daniel chapter 9. Daniel, Daniel chapter 9 and verse 24. verse 8 so that doesn't work 9 and verse 24 now this is this is the prophecy of of the seven or the 70 weeks prophecy and and I'm not going to go into it today but um, this prophecy was revealed to Daniel and he and as he did he spoke forth these prophecies and we know that this was talking about the first coming of Jesus Christ and um, we know that because we're about to read some things which clearly identify Jesus Christ and his sacrifice and what it won for us. And in verse 24, it says this. It says, Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon the holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins. That's not a bad statement, is it? Now, we know sin means to to miss the mark. It means to be separated, to be distanced from God. Um, sometimes it's people trying to attribute to, to doing bad things, but that's not actually what sin is. Your actions will show that you're distanced from God because you're doing evil things, but the evil things in themselves is not sin. Sin is just a position that you find yourself in separated from God. And if you're separated from God, then you will tend towards doing things that aren't pleasing in God's sight. And you've missed the mark or you've missed the point. That's kind of what it means. Um, and he was going to make an end of the separation. That's, that's, what that's, that's what that means. It doesn't mean that he's going to make an end of people doing bad things. Because bad things still happen. And sometimes we do bad things. So it hasn't made an end to doing bad things. It's done an end to the separation between man and God. There's a clear difference. And it, it's it's really crucial that we understand that. Um, coming from a Catholic background, sins are directly attributed to what you do. And when you do a bad thing, that is a sin. And therefore, you had to do your penance and you had to do certain things and say certain things in order to 
make good the sin that you did. But that's completely wrong. You cannot bridge the gap between God and man. You can't make atonement for sin. You can't scrub it off the blackboard. Only Jesus Christ could do it. He was the only one that could make an end of sin. It's a really, really fundamental concept that is quite wrongly taught out in particularly mainline churches. They don't really understand what it means. And they just think, oh, you do bad, you do good. And, oh, yeah, that, that kind of works out well because then we can say, well, that person's going to heaven and that one's not. But that's a complete load of rubbish because it's not what sin is. I probably labored that point. I do apologize. <laughs> and it says, it goes on, to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity. So the distance between these two parties, God is going to make a way of reconciling them and to bring an everlasting righteousness. Now, you might not think that you're living in everlasting righteousness now, but you are. You know, the scriptures say to us that when we see him, we will be revealed who we really are. And I believe that we're living in everlasting righteousness now. We might not always live up to that because we've got this outer casing called the flesh, which kind of stops us from from, from our fulfilling our full potential. But everlasting righteousness is now available because we believe that we'll go on now having a relationship with God and then he returns, we'll be changed, we'll be unshackled, and then we'll continue on in this everlasting righteousness. So we're already in it now. If you, if you get get the point. And it says, And to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most, most holy. And then it goes on and talks about a little bit more about identifying the time. Um, so that's, that's another talk. We've done that before, but we can do it again. But that's not for today. But again, God's and his mindset was this thought of reconciliation. He desired to get into your life to be part of it to be closer than a brother but to be your savior and your god that's what his desire was and and he he made that quite clear in the in the old testament let's go we'll go to the new testament now let's go to luke 15 i haven't got my phone on me so i'm going to try and not go too long today because we so Luke 15, verse 11. We're going to read, we're going to read a bit of this. Um, why not? Verse 11, And he said, that's Jesus, said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. And he divided unto him his living. And you can see, see already, you can see even in the language that Jesus is using about this this division, about the separation that the son was actually seeking here from his father. He wanted his independence. And that's really what happened um, in the Garden of Eden, isn't it? The devil, Satan, sold independence to Eve. That's what he sold her. But it comes at a massive cost. And that's uh, a distance from God. And so you see this straight away, there's this division that, that this, 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 this son is seeking. And it says, And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, 
and there wasted his substance with riotous living. Now again, let's look at the language. Into a far country. He was seeking independence and separation from his dad. He wanted to get he wanted to get out of Dodge. He wanted out. He was he was gone. And it goes on and says, And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And isn't it interesting, isn't it? This is just how mankind plays out. They want independence, they want to separate, and then as soon as things go bad, they're looking to join themselves to something for help. They want, they don't want to, oh, I'm alone now. I'm not so big, I'm not so tough, I need some help. So he joined himself to the city of the country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And that's where the division from Jesus Christ and the and the and and and, the, and his father leads leads people. It leads them to a place that's unsanitary, that's not nourishing, and is just is just a place of waste. And it says in verse seventeen, and when he came to himself, so. We would probably say that that's repentance. When he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? And there's just, again, he's longing for a relationship again with his father. He wants to be joined. And he says, And I will arise and go to my father, and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven. In other words, I've separated myself from the good things that, that you raised me in and before thee and am no more worthy to be called thy son make me as one of thy hired servants and he arose and came to his father but when he was a great way off his father saw him and he had compassion and ran and fell on on his neck and kissed him and the son said unto him father i have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and, and am more, no more worthy to be called thy son and the father said to his servant bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry for my son was dead and is alive again he was lost and is found and they began to be merry and there's this wonderful story here that Jesus Christ paints here of desiring to be joined together with us and his very nature is to be reconciled you know and and it's it's just really interesting how god understands how the flesh works he created it he knows how it works and that mankind will continually seek its independence from what he ultimately does remember as being good for him it's kind of and I guess the point for us is in this is to stay close is when you start to have these thoughts of independence you might think that's really good now in the world today like independence and and all that sort of stuff is like just such freedom and all this sort of stuff is is really good but we heard a great talk yesterday is you can have all the independence that money can buy 
you can have double scoops of it, you can have cherries on top with it, but you will not be satisfied with independence. The independence and the freedom that the world gives you will not satisfy your belly. You'll be seeking more and more and more, and that's what we see in the world today. But we see here the nature of God in that he is willing just to run and give us of his very best because he desires that relationship with us. And I guess the whole point of that and maybe stressing that is for us just to realize and to value how much God wants to be with you and how much his desire is to give you everything that he has in his command and for his desire for you just to dwell with him. He doesn't ask anything really of us, really, compared to to what, what he's prepared to give us. And I guess reconciliation for us now We've got no new people here today. The talk would have taken a different slant about now. But for us, reconciliation is about staying close to the Lord. It's about valuing that relationship. It's about not putting it into a position of jeopardy. It's about not compromising the position and the relationship that you have as an individual with Jesus Christ, your Savior. We're under a whole lot of attack at the moment in terms of the world trying to separate us from what we believe, that we believe we are in a covenant relationship with the father of Isaac and Jacob, the king of heaven. That's who we believe that we are there. The world is trying to tell us that we're wrong. They're trying to divide that. They're trying to separate us from our God. And that, I don't need to go in the ways that that happens, but we need to we need to value our relationship enough that we won't put it at jeopardy. Now that can be a really tough thing because sometimes your family can, can can try and come in between that, or your best mate, or the guy who, you know, gave you your first job, or. There's a myriad of things that can get in the way. Your career can get in the way. Um, your unquenchable desire for things. All that stuff can get in the way. But the Lord's saying, I want you to value this as much as I value it. So we see Jesus talk about it. Um, ah, we won't worry about all that. Let's go to... We're going to see what Paul says about some of this. So let's go to Romans 5. Just go through a couple of these. They're all very similar. But I always think if it's written in there a few times, it's got to be good for you. Romans 5 and verse 14. And I guess what what I really want to... Um, us to recognize now is that isn't life grand isn't it sweet today AA <laughs> isn't it more than you thought that life could ever be you know since Jesus came into our life since we became a spirit filled born again 
running around God's household Christian. In verse, where are we? Uh, in verse 14, Romans 5 and verse 14, it says, Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the, in the same like, similar, I can't, that's a hard word to say, similitude. It means the same way, in the same way of Adam's transgression. Isn't that interesting? So no one was exempt. You know, it's people, oh, I'm good, I'm awesome. I try not to do that. I only drink a little bit and then get wild a lot. I only do this. Oh, no, I don't do that. I never cheat. I never do that. But I don't pay my tax. And I do this. And I've got a sneaky on the side. And there's all this. It's funny how, what happens when you talk to people about about their lives. Oh, I'm good. I'm good. And then you find out all these little things that go on that have just got a hold of them. And you don't hold it against them because we'd be doing the same things if we weren't filled with the Holy Ghost. But you just think, wow, these things have really got a hold of them. It's the same. It's just separating themselves from, from God. It says, who was a figure of them that was to come. And not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man Jesus Christ, has abounded unto many. So he's just, he's just making this point here that, yeah, everyone fell into the same trap that Adam did. And no one's exempt. But in the same way that Jesus Christ came and gave himself and reconciled, we can also be part of that. I guess in one way what he's saying is one man can make a difference. And he's also saying, well, what, what side are you on? And it goes in verse 16. Uh, what I want, 16? Yep. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. So it's saying that Jesus was perfect. He, didn't, he wasn't separated with God. He was joined to God, and he came to try and rescue those who weren't. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, that is sin or separation from God, you'll end up being judged. Um, and that's, that's, that's what you've got to look forward to. But the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. So we are justified through Jesus Christ. In other words, you could say you've reconciled or you've brought back into a position of God. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they will which receive abundance of grace and the gift of the of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good statement from Paul. So he's trying to make this point that all have sinned, all are under the curse because of one man, but you can have an opportunity to be reconciled because of one man and what Jesus did. And it really is just highlighting um, the wonderfulness of our Savior. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. Paul kind of says it again. Ephesians 2 and verse 12. He says that at the time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. 
It's a really good description of where we were before we were born again. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. So by his sacrifice, we are brought close to the Father again. For he is our peace, who has made both one. Again, this notion of reconciliation. He's made them one and has broken down the middle wall of petition between us. How many times does he have to say it? He's just, he's just laboring it. Who has made us one. He's broken down this middle wall that separated us. It's just talking about joining them together. Having abolished, excuse me, having abolished in his flesh the enemy, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances for to him, or for to make in himself of twain one new man so making peace. And what that's really encapsulating there is that Jesus Christ had to come to fulfill the law in order to break it. And that's what he did. He came to fulfill the law that it would be broken and um, justification through the law would be taken away. In verse 16, And that he might reconcile both unto God and in one body by the cross, having slain the enemy thereby. So that was the way in which he did it. By giving of himself, he he's showing that God's desire to have a relationship with us again. By making a way through this separation. And came and preached peace to you that were far off and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. And he's linked it here to the Holy Ghost saying that's you know who's watched oh what's stargate you know that movie oh it was a movie first i remember watching the movie i thought the movie was great and then watched the series and went you might love the series sorry you might love it but there's like this little you know that fuzzy little heaps of the kids shows have those and people step through them and they go into different universes it's kind of like the holy spirit It just gives us a passage straight into God's realm. Bang, just straight through into this other realm. You've traveled time and space to get into this position where you're in complete connection with God. And that's what the Holy Ghost is. That's what it it does. That's what it performs for us. And it keeps us connected. You know, Romans 8 is full about, you know, the Spirit is what keeps us connected to God. It makes intercession for us. It's talking to Him. It's, it's this continual signal between God and yourself. And that's why the Holy Ghost is so important. Because without that, you're just getting static. That's all, you, that's all people are getting out there. Static. But we've got access now through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 2. Hebrews 2 in verse 16. It says, For verily he took not on him, uh, verse 16, chapter 2 of Hebrews, For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. See, Paul, Paul, Man, he, he had some he got some enlightenment, this dude. 
he got some, you know, and it's and it's and he's sharing it with us like he's it's so it's so good that what the Lord did for us through Paul. He's he's saying now just think about this, guys. He's saying. Jesus didn't take on the form of an angel. Like he could have come down in any form that he wanted and gone and floated around and, I don't know, had a lightsaber. He could have done and come in any form. He could have come as an angel, but he took on the seed of Abraham. And if you know if you know your, your lineages and your Bible, that through Joseph and through um, Mary... They were both in the lineage of King David. And we know King David was of the lineage of Abraham. So Jesus came and took on himself the seed of Abraham. He became part of that family. And what do you reckon he did that? Well, one, of, one would be to fulfill the law, definitely. He would have had to have been of the seed of Abraham to do that. So he did that, so that's cool. But maybe it was this thought of reconciliation again. I'm getting the family back together. I'm getting the family back together. The family reunion. I'm reconciling. I'm bringing back Aunt Mildred and and Uncle Clyde who don't get on anymore. I'm bringing them all back together. There's this thought here of relationships and reconciliation that Paul just grasps really well. He kind of really grabbed it. And it goes on and says, Wherefore in all things it behoved him to be made like unto his brethren. That's how much he desired to know us, that he wanted to be us. That he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. This is powerful, powerful stuff. Jesus Christ came to continue God's thought of reconciliation, relationship, tight, tight relationship with his family. Uh, Yeah, verse 18. For in that he himself suffered being tempted, he is able to succor, or the word means rescue or help or assist or aid them that are tempted. So we've got the Savior who didn't want to come down as Luke Skywalker and show himself to be all powerful and do all these things with the force, which he did anyway. He came to align himself with the family, to fulfill the promises made to that family, that in all those things he might show himself to understand us so that we would recognize what mercy actually looks like because it's been tailored for us and that he might be tempted in the same ways as we are that he might have a closer relationship with us and help us. It's a it's a really really special thing that God that God did for us when he sent his son. Let's finish. Let's go to um second second Corinthians. Uh 
So today I just really wanted to, I just wanted to encourage us to really love and cherish and have a special place in our life and in our hearts and minds for the relationship that God desires to have with us. And when you were when you were at your worst or when you're at your best, the Lord still wants to be close. He still wants to be right in there amongst whatever's going on. And Jesus has proven that to us because he was tempted in all things. He endured all things that he might be able to help us. That's a that's a true a true relationship there. Um, second Corinthians and what did I say? Five chapter five. Um, let's let's uh, yeah five and verse seventeen. It says, therefore, if any man be in Christ. He is a new creature, a new creation. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things become new. It's this thought of, I think it was Cam that brought it out yesterday, about Paul who wrote in Philippians about, you know, I can, all the things that happened before is done. Like, I can't change any of that. I can't change anything that happened before, but I will reach forward for the promises he said what did he say I've, if I've apprehended one thing if I've understood one thing in this life it's that I can't do anything about my past but I can reach forward to the good things that God has for me and and that's a, that's a powerful powerful statement he's saying don't stay back here and the things that went on before because that's just rubbish he said if you want to understand one thing if you want to grasp one concept it's that you keep going forward and um, that's kind of what this is here when we become a new creature we know this is talking about the born again experience um, one of these words in here I think it's creature I think this is a scripture I haven't got it written down normally I do I think this means metamorpho in Greek I could be wrong but I'm pretty sure is it creature does anyone know is it creature it means metamorpho yeah metamorpho he's not a guy from the matrix um Metamorpho, and it's the Greek word that we get, metamorphosis. And we're all beautiful butterflies. Um, and it's this change that goes on. This change that, it's, it's a complete change. Caterpillar, butterfly, completely two different beings. They're genetically completely different. I know that because I, I watched something that from a scientist that said that. And Cam's going to prove that this year. Sweet. <laughs> They're genetically different. And that God has tried to disconnect us with our past. Isn't he? He's tried to make it. If he's going to separate anything, he's trying to separate you from your past. And say, you're with me now. Forget about what happened before. But sometimes we want to. We want to wander down memory lane and talk about all the things that we did wrong and all the bad things and he's saying no you are a new creature all things are new go forward and this and it's kind of a recognition of the relationship that you have with them now that you're prepared to go forward and not hang out out in the old things and it says in verse 18 and all things are of god who has reconciled us to himself by jesus christ and has given unto us the ministry of reconciliation. I like it. Because I've worked for the government 
for a long time now and and it's like I've worked for lots of ministries at the moment I work for the Ministry of Social Development kind of doesn't have the same ring to it um, but the Lord now has reconciled himself to us through Jesus Christ people say to us oh, if Jesus stood in front of me and told me then I'd do it he's here you, can, you want to know him? John 14, I'm in you, you and me on that day. When you receive the Holy Spirit, you know that God is real. You want to meet him? Get down on your knees, receive the Holy Spirit. You can meet Jesus Christ today. That's, it's that simple. And he's done those things to us, and now he's given us the ministry of reconciliation that we can go out and talk to people about how they can get close to God, how they can be reconciled back to God. They can have a tight relationship with him. And it goes on and says, To wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. That again is a really fundamental concept. God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. The Father was there. I don't quite understand that concept and if you if you can get it and you can explain it to me please do Father, Son, Holy Ghost these three are one how that works they're separate sometimes they're not the other but God was there in Christ reconciling the world unto himself he had a greater purpose he desired it he sent his son and in a sense himself to show you that he loved you and that he wanted to be with you. Not imputing their trespasses unto them and is committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. That's our statement to the world. Be reconciled to God. Be close to Him. You know what really annoys me? is people who are out there and they've got the Ministry of Reconciliation jackets on, but that's not the word that they're giving. And they're saying, oh, you know, you'll find your own way to Christ and it's okay, you receive the Holy Spirit when it's your time and... So oh, it's just Jesus is so lovely and it's so wonderful. And yes, I mock them. And yes, it gets me angry. And yes, I'll say they're wrong. And yes, they are wrong. And it is despicable what they do because they rob people the chance to receive God's Holy Spirit in the way that God instructed. I mean, if God himself reconciled the world through Jesus Christ, then what Jesus Christ said was your ticket to get close to God. So if you want to mess with that, well then, yeah, you're going to get the wrath of Sash because that's, that's just rubbish. If you want to have a watered-down rubbish, well then don't associate it with God because he's not interested in that because he is playing in the big stakes round here and the high stakes round. He sent himself in his son, to die for mankind to reconcile. He's not pussyfooting around with his gospel anymore. 
And it annoys me because we have people come here who hear the truth and then get warm milk poured in their ear and they go, oh, I can't commit to that. Oh, it's a bit hard. I'll need something easier, more palatable for that. Rubbish you do. It's exactly what you need. And we've been given the message on how to tell people to get in contact with God and be reconciled. In, in, um, in the New King James, I don't know if anyone's got one out there, but verse 20 says, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. So we're a special envoy. That's what, that's what that means. We are diplomatic agents of the highest rank accredited to a foreign government or a sovereign as the resident representatives of his or her own government or sovereign or appointed for a special and often temporary diplomatic assignment. That's what ambassador means. You're an authorized representative. Ambassador for Christ as though God were pleading through us. In the, new, in the old King James, it says, it means exactly the same thing, but sometimes it can be missed. Is It says, as though God did beseech you by us or through us. So it's saying, as though God was pleading through us. God is now using us to plead to the world. Oh, I sent my son for you. I want to be with you. I'm pleading you, please, please come. And worship me in spirit and truth. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That's that's now what we're saying. We accept no imitations. We accept no fat free. This is fully fat version of the gospel. <laughs> we don't water it down. We tell people, we implore them on Christ's behalf. You must be born again. You must be born again to enter into this relationship with God. That's what we tell people. So isn't life grand? Isn't it sweet? Yeah, it is. It is now. It is sweet. And it's sweet because actually God desired it to be a good thing between you and him and let's continue to cherish it let's continue to fight for it let's continue to preach it um, that we might be about the Lord's business and that we might see more people come to have this life and sing the song isn't life grand all the people said amen hand over to brother Phil